Is there anything that you should be pumping and dumping? Because far as I'm understanding, it's radioactive iodine. Yeah. <laughs> like truly, some it's very rare. Crack. Yeah, some chemo. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you shouldn't be taking care of your baby. That's about it. That's no, really, it's it. very. The list is very, right. very small. I know women the contra, I don't dump and dump after like a having lot. a glass of wine. Yes, is such a pity. that's ridiculous. It's or more Jack, coffee. Every holiday season, Jack puts out like a Facebook post about, about that exactly. Do not pump and dump, and all of us share it. Right. Yeah. It's don't crazy. waste your milk. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Moms That Say Fuck, hosted by yours truly, Alana Kapitz and Doctor Dina Kulik. I'm Alana, the CEO and founder of Moms Toronto. We're on a mission to bring moms together and give them a great day, revolutionizing maternity leave. And I'm Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm a pediatrician and pediatric emergency medicine doctor. I provide no-nonsense child health advice, dispelling myths, and empowering parents to parent confidently and raise your healthiest kids. Together, we have six kids under eight. We are eager to chat with other moms, entrepreneurs, and interesting people about everything from sex to alcohol, sleep woes, and body shaming. We aren't afraid to talk about taboo topics or share our many opinions. We say it like it is and want to get to the heart of the issues facing moms and caregivers everywhere. Come join us. Welcome, listeners. Uh, big night tonight. Uh, we have Tani. How do you say your last name? Taya uh, Griffin. Taya Griffin. Yeah. Taya was actually my yoga instructor when I was prenatal mm-hmm. with my first kid. And Dr. Jack Newman, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> kind of, maybe. <laughs> All three for sure. And we're talking about boobs and, and breastfeeding. 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 And I want to come back to that. Taya, what? You have a five-year-old that you're breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Now, when I always tell my, the moms that I work with, and when we talk about weaning and the natural age of weaning, in my prenatal classes, that when you think about breastfeeding an older child, it's not like you're breastfeeding a newborn. No. You know, you're not going, like, it's not like every two to three hours. It's really when she decides, and she's deciding less and less and less, and it's for moments, and it's usually just before bed, and it's just like a little connection thing. When she hurts and really, or falls and really hurts herself, she'll sometimes ask for it. But um, and what did she say? Boom boom. My boom, daughter, boom. my older daughter, who's eight, who Jack was acquainted with for fourteen months, um, she just called it boom boom, like B O M B O M. So I spell it. I don't know how she would spell it. And she, um, and then it, that kind of now my sister and her twins call it boom boom and her son calls it boom boom and 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 we all call it boom boom so there so she says like boom boom and like crawls into your lap yeah she'll say can i have boom boom yeah yeah it's a thing and there's no milk i'm assuming she does she says that she sometimes gets milk because i'll ask her i'll ask her that and the one thing i always ask is also how does it taste and apparently my milk tastes like vanilla chocolate swirl ice cream like the best thing she's ever tasted in her life. So, I mean, yay me. Have you tried your milk? Wow. I did try it once. Yeah. But did way back like at the that? beginning. It is sweet. Huh. It is. It is sweet. I don't think it tastes yeah. like chocolate ice cream, but right. so wait, you're, still, you're producing milk. You're not producing milk. Apparently sometimes, but sometimes not. And if you hand express. No, there's nothing, nothing there. Yeah. No. But this actually brings out the whole point that breastfeeding is about much more than milk. Absolutely. Of course. And anyone who is uh, breastfeeding a, a toddler knows this, I think. Mm. Uh, and it's uh, it's it goes completely against this notion. Well, I'll just uh, pump and give the milk in a bottle because uh, you know it's just easier to do that. No, it's not necessarily easier. Not you know not if you get good help. Not if you get off to a good start. But this you know toddler nursing. Well, a five year old is not a toddler, but uh, this points out how important this relationship is. 
Yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. about comfort. Absolutely. I mean, in mm-hmm. that case, like she hurts herself. She's like, I want mummy. And totally. a cuddle from mummy is not the same thing as breastfeeding from mummy. How yeah. many kids are you yeah. nursing right now? One? <laughs> uh, one. You have only one nurse one at a time. Done. The other kids Done. actually have no interest. Dylan, the eight-year-old, asked mm-hmm. twice in the past, like in, in my sense, like the little guy's only eight, almost 18 months. And the eight-year-old has asked twice if he can try. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, absolutely, try and he was like, can I? Is it okay? And I was like, you can. And then he didn't. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we're done. I think sometimes but it's no good, one, no one has say ever yes wanted to then. breastfeed. <laughs> like when I breastfed the baby, no mm-hmm. one has ever above them wanted to breastfeed. And I never breastfed both kids because I had to, mm-hmm. for me personally, I, I don't even get my period back when I'm breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to get pregnant for with fertility. each kid, I, I stopped breastfeeding completely. Mm-hmm. And that's why there was three months. I breastfed mm-hmm. my first, who's two and a half, up until I was like... I was six months pregnant. I was still, he was still nursing. How were those, how did those nipples feel? They were fine. Were you? Oh, yeah. I had such pain during my pregnancy. No, they were fine. It's and it was one sensitive. day, like it was, it wasn't him who decided my tits just stopped. Like he like went mm. for a suck. There was nothing there. And he's like, okay, I guess I'm done. But I was six months pregnant. So the breast, the milk just ran dry. Mm-hmm. You're, like, you're lucky you like that though. Like I, I really, I literally, I'm completely, I think an ovulatory, like I don't make, I don't, I don't, I cannot get pregnant. Mm. At least I haven't four times. Um, <laughs> I think you can get pregnant. No, I can't. But you can't get pregnant. I cannot personally. I don't think I ovulate when I'm breastfeeding, right? right, right? right. And then maybe hopefully I won't oopsie get pregnant. Yeah. People are like, oh, be really careful. And maybe I I will. Hopefully I won't. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't don't get pregnant when I'm breastfeeding. So Jack, I need to ask you the question. Like, how did this happen? How did what happen? Like, you are the godfather of breastfeeding. Like, how the fuck did that happen? (laughs) Like, what's the story? How How did you become... The Bukuhuna Take us back to the beginning. I need to know because you're a dude. So first of all, obviously you can't join in this reindeer deer deer game of conversation. So how did Dr. Jack Newman become the godfather? Godfather. The man who's the legend. (laughs) I uh, came to America. (laughs) I was hoping you'd do that. And I uh, became the godfather. So you call me Godfather, you are my friend, and if, if my friend is your friend, then I will always protect you. Basically, Jack likes boobs. Yeah, there's that and too. And babies. Yeah. And babies. Babies are cute. Actually, I must say, I'm a like man. I like men. That's yeah. All right. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I sort of really fell into it. What can I say? Yeah, I, how did uh, it happen? How did it happen? Let me think about it. Uh, uh, I, used, I, I came back from uh, working in South Africa. And in South Africa, in uh, where I was, uh, it was called the uh, Transkei at the time. And it was a black homeland, meaning that uh, they were trying to push all the blacks into a uh, an area, some of the poorest areas of all of South Africa. And, uh, you know, I was a pediatrician there and I saw that uh, what I'd heard, that babies really die when they're not breastfed. So... You know, I did a lot of work trying to uh, uh, promote breastfeeding, uh, to get babies re-lactating. Uh, no, it's not the baby who's re-lactating, it's the mother. <laughs> but we would admit mothers to the hospital because to re-establish uh, uh, breastfeeding. And uh, if I had been uh, smarter than I was, uh, I would have listened to what the nurses were doing. And the nurses were excellent at helping the mothers re-lactate. We put the mothers on medication as well, but it wasn't on peridone. It was uh, chlorpromazine, which has a lot of really bad side effects. effects. Uh, uh, But it worked. 
And most of these mothers got uh, back to breastfeeding, the children survived, and so forth and so on. And then I came back to uh, Toronto. I worked at the Hospital for Sick Children. Mm -hmm. I used to see, uh, in the emergency department is where I worked, and we used to see mothers uh, and babies coming in all the time. Well, certainly, you know, several a week where... You know, the baby was skinny or the baby was dehydrated or the baby was uh, uh, thought to have some sort of metabolic disease, but it really was just a breastfeeding problem, and mm-hmm. I could tell that. Uh, I helped some mothers in the emergency department if it wasn't busy, but it wasn't a good place to, to do this. Mm-hmm. So I went to the chief of uh, general pediatrics, and I said, I think uh, uh, I would like to start a breastfeeding clinic. And he said, oh, okay, and I did. And that's where it started. That's okay. So mm-hmm. in my head... And is that sick kids or no? Sick kids, yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. God, I heard... Okay, so in my own head, this is what I thought it was. <laughs> you went to Africa, okay? This is the story that I somehow made up. You were in Africa. You were like in rural Africa and you witnessed how like tribal people like actually breastfed their children and how it was like they sustained life that way. In my head, somehow, I thought that was your connection to Africa, that you witnessed this like primal tradition of breastfeeding and that therefore you became the expert. I don't know how I messed up your bio so fucking badly. <laughs> well, okay. it's, uh, it's, crazy, crazy, right? more yeah. civil, like, it's a really optimistic version of it. Yeah. All right, well, yeah. just this week, okay. I got an email from somebody. Was it you? Maybe. <laughs> no, I emailed you I a got lot, an but... email from somebody who said to me that... Uh, I heard this story about you that you were wandering through rural Africa. <laughs> no, shut up. no, no, I kid you not. I was wandering Atlanta's through rural Africa, and uh, the, uh, the the mothers uh, were sitting there and they were breastfeeding. And when they saw me, they covered their heads but didn't cover their breasts. I don't know where <laughs> oh anybody God. came up with I that. That's not a rhetoric. I've that's hilarious. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really uh, that's definitely not it. By the way, the big I did work in the big city of Umtata, which had a population of twenty thousand. We thought Umtata, Umtata, Umtata. My experience, actually, uh-huh. like I, I've been in Africa and Southeast Asia more recently, um, and my experiences and what I heard so much when I was there was that people are moving more and more away from breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. That oh, for the sure. governments yeah. are so much pushing formula and yeah. formula is healthier and better for them. So and whatever. So much the governments is it as much as it is the actual formula company? Well, I think it's the formula companies actually like lobbying. Um, they lobby for it and mm. they give the government money or whatever the case. And so you see signs like everywhere for like Nestle and uh, you know all these companies. Um, and people think that it's actually not safe to like they they're not healthy enough to breastfeed like that's, it's like that's back to the dark ages totally yeah. um, and then of course kids are dying of diarrheal illnesses because the water's not safe there mm-hmm. and so they're you know slowly but surely some countries there's a movement back towards mm-hmm. breastfeeding but people feel like their milk isn't good enough even I mean hear that here like I hear from moms here grandmothers telling their grandkids or their daughters you know it's not your breast milk isn't good enough it's not thick enough it's not caloric enough you really should be giving water also or formula also Mm -hmm. all this nonsense that somehow was propagated well it was propagated by the medical profession as well because i remember very well when we started the clinic in 1984 the uh, grandmother sometimes uh accompanied their daughters uh, to the clinic. And uh, one of the questions that I always asked was, uh, did you, bre- to the grandmothers, mm-hmm. did you breastfeed your daughter? And very commonly they would say, uh, I wanted to breastfeed, but the doctor told me that the formula mm-hmm. was better. Yes. Yeah. I think it was common sentiment when I was growing up too. Like my, I, I have three brothers, four of us, and my mom breastfed each of us for like 
somewhere between six and eight weeks, and that's it, and was told that soy in particular was better for us. So we all grew up on soy formula, even though she had ample milk. She tells me she had oversupply, which sounds like oversupply. She was like, I hated the oversupply. I hated leaking all the time. I hated breastfeeding. I was told that soy was better, so I switched you all. And like, that's just so weird to me. Know. You know, like my parents find it un- unbelievably unusual that I breastfed my kids for more mm-hmm. than a year. Like for them, it just doesn't make any sense. They don't understand it. It's bizarre to them. Yeah, yeah. but they at least... Yeah. At least uh, six weeks was something. Six weeks. I totally. got, got yes. bub kiss. Like zero. Zero. And no. my mom, bless her heart. Like I remember my mom, because mm-hmm. my sister is eight years younger than I am, breastfeeding my then speaking sister mm. because she, I think, was trying to make up for lost time in a way. But she was told, no, I was put on formula. Then her breasts were bound and she was taking a medication. And she said, Taya, I just, I just wanted to go to that bathroom and unbind my breasts and try and just take your head there and it make it like it brings up some emotions for me. Cause I'm yeah. like, that must have been so hard. Yeah. Um, but then again, she went on to breastfeed my brother and my sister but, to make but up I hear the stories time. of women of that vintage binding their breasts mm-hmm. and being told, like I couldn't imagine when my milk was coming in and oh, someone just like, Oh, ignore that. Like do whatever you can. To, that is like on day five, Torture. you know, day four, when you have the baby blues day five, when like you, your tits are exploding and you just like, don't know what to do. I mean, that was like day I, three. Oh, it hurts so bad yeah, to blind like, those. That cabbage. would hurt. Where's my cabbage? Yeah, yeah I never yeah, had that. My poor mama. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why you're poor so you. good at it. Because you're like, I don't now, have to deal let, with that But stuff. let me throw it in okay. that uh, this type of engorgement that's very painful yeah. is yeah. not normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, it can be prevented by starting out breastfeeding really well. Yeah. Okay. Though I do think that there's like that one day where your milk really starts to come in, like day two, day four, whatever. You may yeah. feel full. Where, yes, yeah. until baby's really like really taking it out yeah. and then, then it's okay. But yeah, no, that, no. One, that one like 24 hours. Like, okay, let me jump not on so that comfy. one. Okay, go, go. Babies do not transfer milk. Mothers transfer milk. Fair. Mm. It is. And it's very important. It's not just Start again, Jack. Start again. What do you mean? What did Dina well, say that made you say that? A lot of, well, you said the baby doesn't take it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Babies don't take it out. And this is actually not just... Uh, playing with words, mothers transfer milk. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, let's look at reality. Uh, a baby is lying there, okay? And the baby starts to move and starts to show that he's hungry. The mother has a letdown reflex, okay? Uh-huh. So yeah. who, in the words of lactation consultants, who just transferred milk? The mother. Of right. course. Fair. The baby did, did his part, which was I to notified. show that he was hungry. Right. Okay, so... What that means is that when we talk about babies transferring milk, we mean that the baby essentially sucks milk out of the breast. Mm -hmm. And this is why on cardiology, they tell the mother, oh no, you can't breastfeed Mm -hmm. because it's too tiring for the baby. Mm -hmm. This is why they say in in, in ICU, Mm -hmm. in the neonatal intensive care unit, oh no, no, you can't start breastfeeding until 34 weeks gestation because it's too tiring for the premature baby. It also means that we still continue to tell mothers, Mm -hmm. the more the baby sucks, the more milk there will be. That's not true. Mm -hmm. That's clearly not true. So what does it mean? It means that we've got to change our brains around and realize that if the baby is not gaining, it's not because he's weak. It's not because he's not strong enough to suck the milk out of the breast. It means that somehow, for some reason, the baby's not getting enough milk. And this is, uh, I don't know, we, I just tried to change the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. For example, we don't say, oh, you know, mother not producing enough. Or, I, you know, I try to get our lactation consultants to say, 
the baby is not getting enough from the breast. That doesn't mean there's not enough because we see mothers who have lots of milk and yet the baby's not getting the milk. Why not? Because the baby's not doing his part, which is not latching on well. Right. So it's, so in your experience, Dr. Newman, Arte, when someone's showing up at your door, when are they, when are they showing up? What's, what's the moment that they're crying postpartum, you know, is it day one, day two, day seven? When are they showing up and what, what is the general? Or does anyone much come in prenatally? Late. Right. Much oh, yeah, too that's late. the ideal scenario. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're yeah. coming much too late. Uh-huh. The problem is that, uh, you know, I mean, we have all sorts of uh, health professionals out there and uh, they don't see any urgency in uh, referring mothers. If you we see mothers on day five or day six, there's every chance that we will get that baby mm-hmm. and the mother breastfeeding well, no pain, plenty of milk, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We see. I mean, the last time I was at the clinic, mm-hmm. we saw a uh, one baby, four months old. Mothers had sore nipples for four months. Oh, my God. That's awful. When you, we, saw, we saw four-month-old last week, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's appalling. We're like, what happened for the last four months? Like, yeah, nothing's happened. Well, That's right. a lot of things, oftentimes, it's the poor advice from, yeah. the, uh, from other medical professionals or mm-hmm. other clinics. Or, or other... it's normal to have breast pain. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah. normal right. to be cracked and bleeding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. And that's that's the real problem as well. It's normal. What do you expect? Yes. And it's still, uh, you know, it, it was routine, you know, 20, 30 years ago for mothers to be told, oh, well, it's normal. You'll have sore nipples for three weeks, but then it'll get better. And the fact of the matter is that sometimes it did get better. Mm -hmm. But that's not right to have mothers Mm -hmm. in pain for three weeks. That's what I was told. Oh, really? Literally, yeah. I was told it's going to take... Someone said to me, um, who I trust dearly, who's passed since then, she's like, look, I'm just letting you know, I know you're like two days postpartum. Breastfeeding is really hard. And it wasn't until that person sent me a note that I was like, yeah, breastfeeding is hard. So I think the other thing is the conversation also, it's not so simple, right? Breastfeeding is not a simple mm-hmm. task. And the idea is that fed is best or breast is best, all these things. Like it takes a very complicated, I think, issue and tries to boil it down to a very simple idea. And it's not a simple idea. It's quite complex. Yeah, and yeah. Breastfeeding we've, we've should not be painful. Yeah. Yes. Elena and I've spoken about this on the podcast before, and I've said this many times. Uh, breastfeeding for me, my first was actually the hardest thing I've ever done. It was harder than residency and fellowship you, and emergency. Are you speaking yourself? For yourself? Personally, yeah. mm-hmm. breastfeeding my first kid was the hardest thing I've ever done. I was obsessed with Emotional. being successful at it. I, you didn't come uh, to the clinic. I did. She, I did. You did. Oh, my, you did. You That's did right. my son's tongue tie release. Yeah. <laughs> she called. So Jack actually did my son's tongue tie release at two and a bit months of age. So I was one of these late people. Two months too late. Yeah. But I'd seen six lactation consultants mm-hmm. previous. So I was trying to get all the help I could. I had people come to my house. I went mm-hmm. to people. I saw my pediatrician every two days for two months because his weight sucked and he was like really skinny and I didn't have enough milk. And I started on Domperidone in this crazy little nothing dose that didn't do anything. Um, and I took herbs and I pumped and I hand express and I used a lactation aid and my entire world became about breastfeeding. It was so stressful mm. and I was obsessed, maybe like pathologically obsessed with being successful at it. And I couldn't <laughs> just give it up, even though Andrew, Andrew, my husband is sitting here nodding. Um, it was really, it was really bizarre. Um, <laughs> How obsessed it was. And I was actually told by a couple of lactation consultants, and I'll never, ever forget. Um, one in particular came to my house and sat in front of me and said, you will never be successful at breastfeeding. Just give formula. And this is like a well-known mm-hmm. um, lactation consultant to the community. And I Obviously, was like, you didn't train with us. Uh, no, I don't think so. No. And I would, and Tana knows who it is. And, <laughs> and I was like, 
fuck you. Like I am actually going to be successful breastfeeding and I'm going to figure this shit mm-hmm. out. And anyway, I finally made it to you and we did a tongue tie release and it didn't change everything, but it did help. Mm-hmm. And then I was... Piece of the puzzle. It was a piece of the puzzle yeah. and it was a missing piece. And by, I think it was more like three and a half, four months, I actually stopped using everything else other than breastfeeding. And we were successful and we breastfed till 14 months when he was totally ready to be done. He was pushing me away. He was done. I was like, great. And then I got pregnant like, you know, a couple weeks later with my next. Seconds later. <laughs> Seconds later. <laughs> Moments later. Last breastfeed <laughs> and we were pregnant. So um, anyway, so it was really, really, really challenging, which is why now, you yeah. know, I spent a lot of my time like counseling on breastfeeding, counseling mm-hmm. on feeding much more than most other pediatricians do yeah. because I want people to get off to a good start with it. And oh, do other pediatricians talk about breastfeeding? I, I think very little. I think that's part of it. Exactly. Right? Yes. Very little. And I think there's very little education on it too. Like yeah. I learned nothing about in medical school, zero, hmm. basically nothing in medical school, nothing in residency, even like as a pediatrician, which is interesting because we spend time seeing newborns yeah. who need to feed. Feed. Mm-hmm. And we got from the zero. Breast. I'm not exaggerating. Mm-hmm. Zero minutes on education it, on because breastfeeding. it's a mom's thing. Moms and do it though. That's why. Yes. Like I once t- spoke to, to a pediatrician. Out. She's mm-hmm. like, but it's not. Like, it's not the baby. It's the mom. Yes. But I'm like, but the baby needs to get that for six months exclusively for optimal health. Yeah. How can this not be part of your zero. education? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, the person in charge of residents, uh, resident education at the hospital for sick children, tells me that uh, uh, their program for breastfeeding is robust. I'm unsure what that education is. <laughs> I mean, granted, I graduated a number of years ago, but we spoke about this then when I was a resident in pediatrics and had my son who you helped. And there was absolutely zero education on breastfeeding. And I have to say now when I see kids in the Emerge, like you mentioned then back in the day, mm-hmm. you took care of kids in the Emerge that were you know dehydrated, whatever, that still exists. On my last shift last week, I saw two kids that were dehydrated, newborns. One was 12 days old, one was four days old, both dehydrated. Both moms were breastfeeding but we're both losing weight. The 12 month old, the 12 day old rather was way below birth weight. Yeah. And I spent time with the moms breastfeeding. I took residents in with me and I was like, here's how breastfeeding works. Yeah. And they had no idea what we were doing. I okay. often, it was I, totally novel. When to my them. son was five days old, three days old, he was completely dehydrated. Cause I know fucking clue what I was doing. No, um, two days old. He was completely dehydrated. And you I, can't be dehydrated two days old. His lips were completely dry and chapped and fucked. Maybe so? it was the third day. Anyways, my midwife basically told me that I had to kick everyone out of my house. Oh, well, that's another story. <laughs> <Yeah>. And then, <laughs> what midwives learn about breastfeeding. They do. Okay, so I have to tell you, Jack. Nothing. I had, no, I had a great experience with my midwives. They completely taught me everything there was to know about breastfeeding, even though I still had challenges. But it turned out that my son needed a tongue-tie release also, and somebody that you taught gave my son a tongue-tie much earlier, like I think day 14 or something like that. But the tongue-tie release was more traumatic for me than my son's circumcision, like his bris was like less of a trauma than the freaking blood pooling Why? in the mouth, be- man. Be- because of the Ugh. blood or because of the... Also, because I think I was just complete shock about the fact that that was the solution. That was the thing. Okay. Right. And was it a solution? Was it helpful? Oh, yeah, totally. He was yes. watched the next day. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. What do you think mm. of them apples, Jack? <laughs> well, I think that uh, the, the question then comes up, yes. you know, how come everybody's got a tongue tie? And I think that the... Uh, that is a good question. I thought I, I, th- I might answer that. Okay, go for it. Okay. <laughs> so... Tay and I have opinions on this too. Yeah. Well, it's obvious, I think, that there's no increase in tongue ties over the years. That's something that people are saying. Why are there so many tongue ties now? And the answer is, I don't think there are more tongue ties. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is how much we intervene with labor and birth. And that's what the problem is. If every mother gave birth naturally, most tongue ties would not be an issue. Why? Mm-hmm. Because all sorts of things... Breastfeeding, 
problems are cumulative. So if the baby just has a tongue tie and the mother gave birth naturally, I'm not saying that, you know, this is the, the you, you know, that this medi- is the answer medication. for everything. Without medication, without yeah. epidurals, without IV, yeah. then I think that most tongue ties would not interfere with breastfeeding. Now, there are some babies that have really incredible tight tongue ties, mm. and that may be a problem even if they didn't have all these interventions during labor and birth. But if you add to a tongue tie all these IV fluids the mothers get, mm. the uh, fact that the baby is overhydrated at birth, but if they lose 10% of their birth weight, then, oh, we, oh the baby's dehydrated, we've got to give them mm-hmm. formula, here's a bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the mothers are uh, sore because the baby's not latching on well, I mean, you just add one over an, and another and another and another interference with breastfeeding, then the tongue tie, well, when we see them, we can't undo what happened in uh, during labor and birth. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing we can do. And sometimes it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And people just don't listen. You know that there's a hospital that refers us patients, uh, you know, the pediatricians refer us patients from time to time. But they actually say to the mother, if Dr. Newman tells you that the baby's got a tongue tie, don't listen. Mm-hmm. Say, what are you referring this guy, this baby for? Mm-hmm. That's bizarre. So. It's interesting that you say that, actually. I, th- I don't know. It'd be interesting to track, actually, because in U.S. collect the data, too, I'm assuming, at the clinic. But if um, more intervention or C-sections or more fluids or epidurals or forceps, all these things, mm-hmm. all these interventions actually does increase the uh, predominance or the, the patients that are presenting to us, it's something that we should look into because I don't know. We, collect all I don't, we already have the data, but I wonder yeah. if there is something Let's to that. Let's do a study. Um, right. Interestingly, actually, my first kid that we were talking about had no intervention. It was a Same with epidural-less, mine. medication-less delivery. Mine too. Precipitous, granted, and definitely without anything, Andrew caught him. Um, and so nothing. And he was one. Maybe it was Andrew. Um, <laughs> and yet all, Andrew totally messed him Come up. Come on. <laughs> um, my other kids, I think, you know what? I think everyone has a tongue toy. You know, Tay and I speak with this often. I think if you look at 100 people's tongues, you can make a case that like 95% of them are quote unquote tight. Right. And sometimes that impairs feeding and sometimes it doesn't impair feeding. Yes. Exactly. And That's so right. I, I always say to families, mm-hmm. tongue ties only matter if they matter. Right. If you have enough milk, baby's gaining well, you're not having nipple right. soreness, you're not bleeding, you know, the weight tra- track is normal. I don't care how, t- how tight your tongue, mm-hmm. your, I don't care how tight your tongue's is tongue tight, tongue is. Is, yeah mm-hmm. um whereas i do find increasingly so my patients that are speaking well feeding well growing well dentists as they get older often are like you have a tight tongue we need to do laser for that and that's i don't know how much that is real versus just a money grab but if you're feeding well mom's not having pain weight gain is good i don't care how tongue how tight your tongue is i, just I think don't. that's why it's important to see like an ibclc or head to a clinic rather than just get like a like either either a self-diagnosis or even um you know in the hospital they say oh the nurse looked and she said that there's a tongue tie or the midwife said is that we look at the whole picture like at yes. the suck assessment we look mm-hmm. at it we watch a breastfeed we and this is what the the you know what i really find frustrating about the pediatricians will say oh there's no tongue tie and i'll ask the mom oh did they watch you breastfeed did they watch your baby go to the breast mm. and did they see that the milk leaked out of the mouth and that you wincing and the baby's clicking and mm-hmm. pulling off? No, you didn't. In fact, I'm pretty sure you probably just kind of looked from afar and said, oh, there's nothing. Or even look it's, underneath the kid's tongue in the first place. Sometimes they, I ask, did anybody put their fingers in your baby's mouth? Well, no. 
Yeah. Oh, the majority yeah. of the mothers that we see, I ask them, you know, do, mm-hmm. do, they, do they check for tongue lying? And they said, no, they never even looked. They never looked. I mean, we caught in one year five babies who had a cleft of the soft palate. Mm. How could that get by? Wow. Yeah. So that's like a hole in the top of the roof of your mouth that if anyone's looking should notice. And it's dangerous. Like there's potential downsides to that in a serious, yeah. significant and for, way. Well, and for sure, they don't breastfeed and well. And for feeding, of course, of course. So this, you know, so they don't look. How can and you then, not see a cliff palate? Oh, no, no. If it's really posterior, you know, oh, you, you really, have, ha- you you really have to look. Palace, palace the roof uh, of the mouth. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah okay. So you really have to look. Right. Uh, I mean, if it's, yeah, it goes right through to the right. lip, then, right. you know, That's even uh, even the two-year-old can tell something's wrong. Right. But when it's just the cleft of the soft palate, then, you know, they miss it all the time. So, I mean, as I said, five in one year. So, Jack, so we see a few things. So we see a general issue with the system, right? Oh, yeah. And then we have some, like, libels, like these, like, fairy tale legends that parents and grandparents pass on about the myths of breastfeeding. So what are the... And lack of education. And lack of education. I think uh, midwives, doulas, physicians are not aware of feeding issues and complications and what a healthy breastfeeding situation looks like. So what does it look Mm -hmm. like, Jack? Uh, Day in, one, what happens? Baby is birth. It's beautiful. It was on the bedroom floor. The baby and should be skin to skin with the mother immediately up. after birth, and the baby yeah. crawls up to the breast. Self attach. Yeah. yeah, and uh, you know, there's uh, there's people who say, well, there have been cases where the babies have uh, you know had a sudden uh, collapse because they've been skin to skin. But again, these babies are born after interventionist births with epidurals, and the notion that the, the, the anesthetists tell all the mothers in the prenatal classes that it, the drugs don't get to the baby is clearly not true. There are tons of studies that say it so does get to the baby. Right. And so you have a baby lying on the mother's breath, uh, chest, and the baby is uh, sort of like this mm-hmm. instead of like this. So like chest, to, right. chest yeah. and, and chin hitting each other. Right. right. And also affected by uh, these drugs. And you may get from time to time a baby who completely collapses. And they're using this now to say, oh, you shouldn't have, uh, uh, you know, baby skin to skin. Uh, this is uh, from, uh, you know, from these fib people and these others, these the psi uh, uh, Sai moms, have you heard of them? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they, mm-hmm. they just put out an article. It gets all over the internet. Saying not to do skin to skin after birth. Oh, nothing, right? I mean, that's you know they're formula feeding uh, positive, and uh, there's these things get it's out. Wild. And, oh gosh, uh, you know. So where were we? Um, okay, so I was asking you. So day one, baby's day born. One, the baby crawls, crawls up, up to the breast, and then <laughs> right. And, I, I, and again, find, I want so like we were talking about like the difficulties of breastfeeding. I yeah. think there's this thought for many women who plan to exclusively breastfeed. Baby comes out. It doesn't hurt that much because we have this beautiful epidural. Baby comes out, goes to the breast, latches, suckles, milk starts flooding, and everything is right with the world. And the reality is that's yeah. really not the case. I don't think people Most even hear time. the word colostrum until they're like, yeah. okay, now colostrum's going to happen. It's yeah. like, what the fuck? What? Yeah. You're not you pouring milk know. out of your breast. Right. But like, maybe we shouldn't yeah, talk about colostrum. What's the difference between colostrum and... Yeah, uh, I, uh, I sometimes, because yeah. I when, when I teach my prenatal breastfeeding classes, some of which I teach at Kid Crew and throughout the community, is when we talk when I talk about colostrum, they often want you to say, oh, well, there's colostrum, and then when does the milk come? Right. And then you have to clarify, it's all milk. Yeah, colostrum um, is the first milk. It's yeah. I think people don't recognize, though, that A, you're probably not going to notice a transfer of milk on the first day or two. 
B, but you should. No, you should no still kidding. See the drinking, yeah. No, you might see drinking, but I think women are expecting to see oh, milk like coming okay. out. Yeah, oh. like they expect like a straw is going to pour milk out of their breasts. Like the spraying. That yeah, you see on, like, the Instagram yeah, shots. exactly. Right. They expect they're going to squeeze their their nipple, and milk's going to spray. And yeah. like that doesn't happen on day one or two. And uh, when you have colostrum, it might like drip out, but you're not you don't get a big volume right like glue, away. Actually, you don't need like, to. Yeah, yeah you know, the baby yes. and you shouldn't have big volumes. Yeah. 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 Um, whereas you give a bottle and they get lots of flow and they're like, but they're getting so much from the bottle. And you're like, yeah, but they don't need three ounces of milk when they're so one day old, right? But people Especially have Especially if they're overhydrated. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. Uh, the uh, the difference, you know, like having worked in South Africa uh, where almost nobody got an epidural, uh, mm-hmm. not where I was anyway, uh, you know, the difference between most babies who come out after a, unmedicated birth and are saying, where, where is it? Where is it? I'm, I don't know where I'm, and the baby who is affected by the drugs where they're kind of floppy, this is the beginning of a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So anybody that's seen both situations knows that the drugs are affecting it. But we have studies that show that the drugs do affect the, uh, the baby or at least the drugs get to the baby. Not all babies are affected, obviously. Mm-hmm. But some of the drug gets to the baby. And uh, some babies are truly affected. So that's the first problem. So, so a lot of these out, babies won't, uh, their, won't their crawl lips, up. Their lips are phalanged and they're ready to go. And they have right? teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my baby has teeth. No, I'm just kidding. Some babies. So, so what some happens? Babies too have teeth. Yeah. Really? Yeah, oh, some babies have neonatal, neonatal teeth. teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. It's yeah. kind yeah. of yeah. Yeah. Oh, It's really uncommon, but it's Oh, creepy. my God. We've I want to see a photo of that. We've had a few. I'm going to definitely Google that as soon as we're done. All right. Neonatal teeth. <laughs> so baby comes out yes then what then he should crawl, crawl up to up the breast the, yeah. and stay with the mother for at least a couple of hours but if you're going to keep the baby with the, from the mother for a couple of hours why take him away somewhere else mm-hmm. so the baby and the mother stay together and the baby lets the mother know when I'm hungry not me the baby mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay what else is there to see okay so you go the baby goes to the breast and how do you know the baby is uh, drinking mm-hmm. that's key mm-hmm. and who knows not the nurses not in many nurses. hospitals nope. not the doctors sometimes not even the lactation consultants i mean we expect lactation consultants to know but a lot of them don't mm-hmm. a lot of lactation consultants used to be nurses so they got all the hours they needed working in neonatology or working in postpartum they got all the hours they need to write the exam and get the ibclc exam they never, and they never, never, never helped the mother latch the baby on, never watch the baby at the breast. And, I mean, go to our website. It shows a baby drinking at the breast. I have a video of a baby who is 24 hours old, mm-hmm. and he is drinking, man. He is drinking. He's going, pause, yeah. pause. He's chugging. Pause. He's just <laughs> chugging it back. And that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. But it isn't like that because, oh, yeah, that's a really good latch. That's what I all hear from every mother that comes to us with a latch like you could use it as a model for a bad, bad latch. Yeah, it's, and even if it's very commonplace. It's yeah, it's they're very, very all commonplace. told, mm-hmm. this is, oh, the latch is perfect. Well, why is it painful? Because... That's the way breastfeeding is. Yeah. Too bad. It's early days. You know, the first couple mm-hmm. days, you know, it's And I mean, in all fairness, even with a perfect latch, mom's not going to feel like this is amazing. Like mm-hmm. she just delivered and there's hormones and whatever. Totally. But it shouldn't be like painful. Yeah. And it might be the initial latch that mom's like has an awareness of it. 
but then it should relax the rest of the feed. It should not ongoing. They can't to ten. Is that a thing? No, they it can't shouldn't attend. Be, no, I mean, okay. I'll always say to the you moms, shouldn't need to want to call to uh, no, and like yeah. count I, to I don't want to pick up my baby, but I'll, I'll often say to the moms yeah. that I work with that you know if you haven't had someone suckling on your nip, nipples and breast, How did you, get you know, eight to twelve times a day, <laughs> yeah. you okay, know, for for yeah. uh, you know as long as the baby will feed, which is very yeah. varied, then it's not going to not feel. For some women, yeah. maybe a little sensitive, but sensitivity is very different than my baby's waking up and I'm cringing because I yeah. just, I can't do this again. It's mm-hmm. too painful. Or you're cracked or you're bleeding. Like that's, oh, that's not, not okay. normal. Right. People think Never. that's normal. It is not. A bit and of pinching. Because the latch is not deep enough. Is that what it is? Um, yeah. There's yes. Wrong yes. It's not a good latch. It right. doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be not deep enough, but it has to be right. Uh-huh. And, uh, Positioning. Right. Yeah. I mean, and... Uh, is it the hold? It's all about the hold? Pu- okay, so what, what, yeah. Sometimes it's not really. What's the recipe for success here? Because we have a lot a of A good listeners. latch, that's all. I that's know, sometimes, what it can be from, sometimes it can actually be from yeah. the laid back latch, like the right. kind of latch that a baby achieves on their own directly yeah. after birth. They yeah. can come up, they can reach, and they can actually latch well. Um, and then sometimes you do have to direct it a little bit mm-hmm. and kind of help mom to position baby a little better. I but maybe say some pointers, like for example, like nose up, not you know doing bullseye, like name some of those things and Explain what those mean. Right. Jack? Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, call, I can run with that. I call but it, I wanna... I, sure. I call it a, an asymmetric, asymmetric latch. Yes. And that means the baby's chin is in the breast, the nose is not, and the baby covers more of the areola with his lower lip than his upper lip. Now, mm-hmm. why is that okay? Because we have babies who have asymmetric latches, but the baby covers more of the areola with his upper lip mm-hmm. than his lower lip. And that doesn't work. And why does it make a difference? Of course it makes a difference because we all talk. The deeper the latch, the better. Okay, if the baby has an asymmetric latch, that means he has more of the areola uh, 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 on top of his lower gums Mm -hmm. than than his upper gums. And if it's the other way around where the upper lip, the upper gums are covering more of the areola with his... his, uh, uh, Lip. 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 Gums, whatever. But it's the lower, it's the jaw that moves. Right. And the tongue also needs to do the work. Mm. Right. And this part, the uh, maxilla or what we call, what do we call that? Upper lip. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't move. Right. The upper part of the jaw. That's right. right. Doesn't move. So it's not stimulating the breast. So yes, mothers transfer milk. But the baby's part here mm-hmm. is to stimulate that mm-hmm. milk to flow. Right. And yeah. it doesn't do it as well if that baby has got this bullseye latch or this reverse, if you wish, reverse asymmetric latch. Right. Then it doesn't work. And right. not only does it hurt frequently, the baby doesn't get milk. So the baby stays there for an hour and a half right. and it continues to hurt and continues to hurt even right. more. And the efficiency is zero and the... Well, I don't like to talk about efficiency. I mean, the baby, the mother's doing it. Right. The baby's just not doing his job. Right. Mm-hmm. I yeah. talk about efficiency only because I remember I had a very traumatic experience, post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm going to a lactation 
consultant clinic that wasn't you that was in a hospital somewhere else of course they didn't learn from us and they I had a very bad experience where I was sitting there for an hour and 40 minutes I'm like is this supposed to take this long she's like no it's supposed to be very efficient it's supposed to take 20 minutes I was like why didn't you help me I've been sitting here for an hour and fucking 40 minutes how did I so I just found a first a lot of first time parents which is not so far away from me I just have no fucking clue Mm -hmm. not only there's no education about it and people are so and I think it even starts before delivery right like the the cascade of intervention that happens in delivery is one thing but when a woman is six months pregnant and her priority is what kind of stroller to get and what color would or she cares more about her birth but not doesn't think right. about what actually is going to happen after right the birth. like mm-hmm. day day 41 right no one's yeah. week, you know week 40 and then plus one people are not necessarily thinking about that so when you say if someone were to come to you while they were pregnant what would you give them what would you tell them how would you advise them is there a tool that exists to train somebody on like this is what breastfeeding is going to feel like so, so funny i don't even it's like it's not even part of my preview of what i think about when i think about some of the causality of what could happen when it, mm-hmm. as a, let's say, uh, as the breastfeeding as maybe the root issue or even a cause uh-huh. when it comes to the conversation with new moms. Because the, I deal with like just pedestrian moms generally whose kids, I think we're generally They don't well. have cars? No, they're just subway. <laughs> they're TTC not, only. They're just like... They just walked in. They're just <laughs> pedestrian. Just regular people. Yeah. So I don't know. We, I, I don't see necessarily sick sick babies mm-hmm. or women who deal with those things but god knows what people are actually dealing with all i see are people who have the conversation where breastfeeding was hard breastfeeding wasn't hard people decide to bottle um, formula feed or they've tried really hard to breastfeed it didn't work out and they've gone the other direction so i know you're pretty militant with this sort of thing but if a mother has to make a choice what, what happens when a mother can't breastfeed and she's like okay i have to well give me an uh, an example of when a mother can't breastfeed also, well, it doesn't try. have to be all or nothing either, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, We've talked about this, yes. right? We've talked about some breast milk is still good, I still, right? I think people feel right. like it has to be 100% or there's no point in doing it. Right. Uh, I see that very commonly. And, and I'm all about, you know, if you can offer some breast milk, offer some breast milk. And if you can't do it exclusively and it's affecting your mental health or your relationship or whatever, yeah. Um, if it's if it's affecting you in some big bad way, which a lot of women feel quite depressed and unwell after after delivery, then don't do it 100%. Do it partially and be okay with that because it's still good for you to have some breast milk. Mm-hmm. I'm all about moms having a positive experience with it too. So if it's all or nothing, and it means you know offer breast milk one time a day, but enjoy the experience, enjoy being a mom, and enjoy that breastfeeding, do that versus feeling like you have to do 100% or it's over. And then feeling terrible about yourself and that guilt and the stress that comes with not being able to successfully, quote unquote, breastfeed your baby. Yeah. I always say it's not black or white. It's not right or wrong. It's for what's right for you and your family. Um, Although you do get different genres of mom. Like if I feel like you were, I will do this come hell or high water. I want to make sure that this is 100%. But I was not 100% breastfeeding. To be very right. clear, I was giving formula yeah. from the get-go because it wasn't successful that yeah. way. Which, of course, yes. we would never discourage moms. But yeah. then there are the moms where you really do see the mental health suffering. Yes. And so there needs to be... A lot. A lot. Yeah. Women are yeah. so stressed out and so guilty and they feel badly about themselves because yeah. it's like they're not they're a failure. But I, I will say that when you failure. tell them, when you tell them why it is, and often I'll I'll leave it, you know, a home visit, and I'll say it's not that your baby doesn't want to, I, I because they feel it's a personal reflection yeah. on them because their baby is rejecting them. They say it's they not hate that your it. baby the doesn't baby hates want, it. yeah, it hates me, hates yeah. it. It's not that baby doesn't want to; it's that the baby 
and you have not been given the tools. It is the medical profession right from the beginning that gave your baby 30 mils of formula three hours after the baby was born that is failing you um, and has failed you. And then also the fact that baby's having a hard time because there's not enough milk, et cetera. So I think that... Um, or the latch is imperfect. Or the latch, exactly. So so it's... Uh, and, and often when you get when you tell them that, and you give them all the tools that you're hoping to give them so that they can make a, a success of it, it kind of changes everything in like in their perception of what it is that they maybe need to work on or the things that they need to think about, et cetera. You know, whether it's taking the Dom Peridone, whether it's releasing the tongue tie, whether it's just actually relaxing because if you're not relaxed, it's not going to flow. Right. And then, a lot of it's just TLC, I find. Yeah, a lot of it's just yeah. like we're just going to work on this. It's riding a bike. Mm-hmm. You need to learn, you know, the strategies, the skills, whatever, which is sometimes natural for the diet and sometimes not so natural mm-hmm. feelings for the diet. Yeah. And, and, you know, I come back to this, but I think a lot of women think, see me this, ah, baby goes on the breast, baby gets milk, all is right with the world. And that's, that's a rarity yeah. as far as I'm concerned. I don't see that yeah. much. Like you guys see the people that are having difficulties. I see all comers and I would say easily 90% have some difficulty with breastfeeding in some way, yeah. some pain, some poor latch, some some you know, difficulty with transfer of milk, some weight issues, something. Mm-hmm. It's rare that babies come out, breastfeed beautifully, moms are happy, babies happy, waking is great. I will for say first more time moms, and more. For first time moms. Yeah, and I will say more and more moms are calling me beforehand and saying, hey, this is my due date. How do we organize a visit? And then seeing them in the hospital or at home right away and educating them before the nipples do get sore or before there are issues with jaundice or before there is, um, you know, a catastrophe. And having uh, those first latches be successful ones. Exactly. And if they're not, then this is what you had express and this is how much your baby needs. Your baby doesn't need this much. Your baby needs this much. And this is how we're going to give it so that the Yeah, so let's, let's talk about that actually because I, I see very commonly, especially very type A, um, controlling professional women typically, um, you know, I'm, I'm in that category. I wasn't I was obsessed like, with volumes, but like, I think a lot of people like numbers, me. numbers, numbers, numbers. People yeah. really want the numbers. They, they like on a bottle, they can see five mils or 20 mils or three ounces or whatever. And they sometimes are stressed about how much my baby getting, how much do I need to be giving? How much do I need to make sure they're getting? And I'm like, the baby's gaining weight. Well, who cares if they're getting 10 or 20 or hundred milliliters, but a lot of people really want those numbers. Mm-hmm. So what are we looking for in the first couple of days? And how can we reassure our breastfeeding moms that they're getting enough, even if they don't have that number on a bottle that they can mm-hmm. read? Do you guys get those questions a lot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like the number no. one. You don't find that people are bothered by numbers? Not particularly. I mean, by the time that we see most of them, I mean, it's rare for us to see babies and mothers when the babies are, say, two or three or four days old. Yes. By the time we see them, they're usually two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that we emphasize how to know the baby's getting milk, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, the pause in the chin means something, the baby comes off the breast content, that's fine, that's it, that's, there's nothing else to know. Uh, there's, uh, the, what, you, uh, what you pump or what you do with test weights, that really doesn't tell you anything mm-hmm. because we don't know how much a baby is supposed to get. Yeah. Breast milk and formula are not the same. Yes. And they are very different, in fact. And so uh, if a formula-fed baby would be getting, say, 60 mils at this age, that, that doesn't mean that a breastfed baby needs 60 mils because 
Breast milk is not like formula. It starts off relatively low in fat in the first few uh, drinks, uh, but it increases and sometimes increases much more than the amount of uh, fat in formula. So, mm. it's not you know, what's the point mm. of saying, oh, the baby should get 60 mils? It's very interesting that when doctors tell mothers, or pediatricians in particular tell mothers, uh, you need to supplement your baby and uh, give him arbitrary. 60 mils. 60 mils. It's always 60 mils. So how did yeah, they come up with that drives number? Me crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, or the weighing pre and post. People do this at oh. home too. They buy baby scales and they weigh before and they weigh after. And they're like, they do that at breastfeeding clinics in Toronto. They didn't gain 20 grams. And you're like, yeah, yeah but they pee, they pooed. Who cares? Yeah. Like, let's look up for like a, a couple of days. You know, the, the finite measurements is crazy talk. If your kid is satisfied, the baby comes off the breast and seems happy and content and is able to stretch more than an an hour or two between feeds and is peeing and is pooing and interactive sometimes, your baby's getting enough milk. Mm -hmm. Like, look at all of that clinical picture. Right, and look at the uh, way you were talking about stress. I mean, you know, to do pre and post weights is like to say, okay, uh, you are you. Well, no, it's not just about the numbers. It's you are about to be tested for right. your ability <laughs> to be a good mother and breastfeed. So, you know, so where did the stress come from? Uh, oh, gee whiz, you know, if I don't produce enough. And then they come up with a number that may or may not be relevant. Mm-hmm. I talk about in my prenatal classes and, and postnatally, and I'm like super into like fairies and the two fairy. Oh yeah. Like magic. I love magic. My kids, my kids believe all these things (laughs) happen. There is a magic, I think that comes to, um, a mom being able to really become one in that relation, like that dyad. Like you really are like, I see and know the drinking. I added compressions without thinking about it. I switched sides because I just knew I needed to switch sides. I didn't question it. And my baby told me that they needed to breastfeed. Well, how? I, I just, I don't know. Look, I know my baby needs to breastfeed. It's a, it's a really beautiful thing It's when you a get there. really, really yeah. beautiful thing. And it is, it is very challenging to break through if a mom has been, she has her app, right? And she tells you as soon as you arrive, she goes, well, I did 20 minutes on this side mm-hmm. and then three minutes on this side. And then two and a half hours later, I did 45 minutes on one side and then seven minutes on the other. Oi. Like that. But someone told me she'll be 20 minutes or someone told me she'll be an hour and yeah. 20 minutes. I do five minutes here and yeah. five minutes here. And then I give 65 mils. It's arbitrary. And the magic is lost that the magic of just knowing yeah. your baby and, and just, and just feeling that this is right is gone. And this is like mother's intuition and this is trust and mm-hmm. this is trust on the baby's half too. put down um, the app people. I yeah, hate get rid of the, app. the apps. I hate documenting the clocks and poos. Does your kid have a couple of peas and poo in a day? And do they look well? Are they interacting with you? Is their mouth wet or their eyes are wet? You're fine. Stop tracking everything like crazy. <laughs> but the hospitals give them these sheets and they feel like they have, and they go for two weeks, these sheets. It's not just like a day or two. They go like day one, two, three, four, so five, six, seven, eight. the system is making people totally Michigan. It makes people crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and lactation consultants, a lot of them are not any better. They're telling mothers, you must feed the baby on just one yes, breast one so breast. that the baby gets the high fat milk. What kind of nonsense is and that? And you must Still. wake them every two hours if they're sleeping. That also drives me wake crazy. Green poos. Green poos are bad. Oh, green mucus poos are bad. Oh, yes. I met a mom today at my like workout class. She's like, this baby's been green, peeing, like having green, green poo for a week. I'm like, it's fine. I don't think that's a problem. It is Be careful not a problem. Because it's sometimes a problem. I yeah. think that, you know, that I think the that, full you know, picture, ask them what's going on. Yeah. I said, if you're worried, go to the doctor. That's what I said. No, no, don't go to the doctor. That, that's the doctor's going to give her terrible advice. Yeah. I'm at four so I'm going to do, Jack. 
come to you? You're going to look at the Call kids? Call Absolutely. No, I'm not going to look at the baby's poo. I'm going to look at how that baby is breastfeeding. Oh, interesting. Well, absolutely. Do you find the high milk for milk thing a thing? Because I really don't think it's a thing. That's not a thing. Oh, so what's the green poo thing? Because I don't really find green poo to be a problem. Well, I think that means the mother's had a decrease in her milk supply. Really? Yes. Yes. Tell me about that. Because I, I see lots of kids with green poos. I see them yeah. like 10 times a day. I see diapers and 10 times a day. are the babies breastfeeding yeah, well? Yeah, growing Drinking well, lots? whatever. And I'm like, it's Fine. nothing. Okay, then but they looked not up online and online told them green poo means I got too much formula, not enough hind milk. And, That's bullshit. And I'm like, how long you, I know. I'm like, how long are you breastfeeding for? I don't know, 20 minutes. I was like, have you ever pumped? Yes, I've pumped. Do you notice your milk changes in like two minutes? Are you feeding for two minutes then stopping feeding the baby? No, I'm feeding for 20 minutes. You're fine. The kid's gaining weight. They look great. Basically, green poo Careful, to me though. is not a big deal. Yeah, tell us about this. Except for this, if it's black or red. Posh. So that's this, one thing. We, if kids' poo is black or red, see your doctor. Black? Yes. Well, like, you know, old blood. Old blood. Yeah. Okay. But look, I mean, I think the problem is that we have this syndrome that we call late onset decreased milk supply. Yes. And sometimes that late onset decreased milk supply is shows up with green poops. I'm not sure why they're green but I think we need to keep that in mind. Doesn't it always sh- also show up as other things, though? So you would also... Well, yes, the there are other like things. Breast refusal. Yes, no. Uh, yes, no, we don't want to see them when they're already refusing right. the breast. When they're refusing the breast, then it's, this is late. Yeah. So When babies are refusing so breasts, sad. it's usually because milk supply has gone down and babies like, screw this, this is too much work. No, More it's frustrated. not work. Well, I mean, they're trying to get something out and there's nothing. There's not as much they're there for them as they want. They're not trying to get something out. It's the I see what you're saying, yeah. but at the same but time, when not, you see like a four-month-old trying to get it's something... It's exactly in the three- yeah. and four-month-old, yes. except that it started well before awesome. the three yes. or four-month-old. Yes. So what we, you know, we see uh, the mothers uh, in two situations, mostly, with these uh, uh, late-onset decreased milk supply at three or four months. One is the baby has a tongue tie. The other is that the mother has been feeding the baby on just one breast of the feeding. And this is like another one of these rules that mothers are being told by lactation consultants. Mm -hmm. Lactation consultants who, I don't know where they got their ideas, but they got their ideas like crazy. Because, you know, the idea is, oh, the baby will get the high-fat milk. But the problem is, if the baby's not drinking, the baby's not getting high-fat milk, he's not getting any milk. And so... They, are, they go on with this one-sided feeding, but what might work at three weeks of age may not work at three months. What mm. works in the morning when mothers have more milk does may not work in the mm. evening. And so when the mothers have less milk. Yeah. And so when we see these babies with late-onset decreased milk supply, some of them are obviously... You know, uh, what does that mean? Late onset milk. I mean, just that the milk supply exactly has decreased. Is, that's gone all, down. Exactly, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We try to <laughs> speak. Uh, <laughs> was you know, and it's really tricky because okay. moms at the beginning had this amazing milk supply, yes, and the they baby start was off growing with, way, an, uh, with right. a yeah. large milk Gain supply. Weight. But for some reason, the milk supply has decreased. And what happens there is that these babies can be fussy. They can do all sorts of things mm-hmm. that tell you something's not right. But sometimes. There's nothing to indicate this except that the babies. Mm. You see in these three and four month old babies that everybody says, oh, it's normal for the babies to suck their fingers or to be on a pacifier. No, it's not. I mm. don't believe that for mm-hmm. one second. If that baby is sucking their fingers much of the day, that mother has had a decrease in her milk supply and he's a calm, happy baby because he's sucking his fingers most of the day. And so 
I think that, you know, we've got to get away from this. You must feed the baby on one breast because anybody that says that Mm -hmm. doesn't know when a baby's actually getting milk from the breast or not. So keep him on the breast until he's uh, fast asleep. Yeah, no kidding. If that baby gets 80% of the milk he needs on the first breast and he's fast asleep, sure, take him off and he probably won't uh, wake up. And mother thinks that's perfect. No problem at all. But wait a second, he's feeding every hour and a half. That's mm-hmm. that's very Just frequent. Something's wrong. Mothers should always offer the second breast. Okay. Before the baby started to fall yeah, asleep. Be- mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Well before. Before the baby has fallen asleep. If the baby is starting to drift off, but even before yeah. that, if all the baby is doing is nibbling instead of drinking from the breast, mm-hmm. then take him off, offer the other side. Yeah. Or compress first. Well, we do, yes. We recommend breast compressions, but I don't think that we should be suggesting breast compressions as a routine. Mm -hmm. You know? That's also a work. So let's go quickly. Rapid fire. Myths. What are the myths we hate? I think we talked about them all. So we just did them all. So the, the... well, you tell me the myths, or you tell us yeah. the myths, and we'll tell you if yeah, it's so a I myth. Think, well, I mean, yeah, definitely the the that it's supposed to be painful. We've already debunked okay, that, done with right? that. We've debunked that you're supposed to only nurse on one side. Definitely heard okay. that before. You have to have a certain number of milliliters, right? A certain number of milliliters, right? That the baby has to feed at least yes every so so often. Right? Yeah. So what I say to what I say yeah. to families is that I want your baby feeding seven to eight times in twenty four hours. And that might be every two hours for a bit and then a longer stretch of four or five hours. And then more frequently again. I personally, if kids are gaining weight well and there's a good breastfeeding experience and mom feels like she has enough and baby's gaining weight, etc., I don't suggest waking babies to feed as long as they're being followed and their weight gain is good, with the caveat that they're getting the seven to eight feeds in a day. So, and we t- well, Sorry, you know. and we teach uh, all our mothers mm-hmm. how to know the baby's actually getting milk yes. from the breast. That mm-hmm. is key. It's the number they will one thing. keep them away from those apps that tell them bullshit. Yes. And because you could feed for an hour, quote unquote, feed for an hour and get very little milk transfer, or you can feed for 15 minutes and get all the milk that they need. Mm -hmm, It's really about that latch and watching that. And, and, you know, Jack does have really excellent videos that show what is a drink and what is just like suckling. Basically, like the easiest way to describe it in, in audio form is... If it's very um, rhythmic and like little up and down, up and down, up and down, and there's no pausing and there's no real like, I wish I can show this, but you could just go to one of Jack's videos. I was told, somebody told me. You want the pauses. The swallow is you're looking actually for the gulp. Yes. Yes. It's like suck, 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 pause. Where's the gulp? How do you know it's a gulp? I mean. You can hear it. You can hear. No. The the pausing is really. I think the easiest way to describe it in audio is pausing. So it's like suck, 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 pause. Right. Suck, suck, suck. And that's really when they're getting like that, that gulp down versus this very rhythmic little, little, like suck, 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 suck. So that's just like you sucking know, on a pacifier. Like Pediatricians are so out of it with regard to breastfeeding in general that there was a time maybe 10 years ago when they were saying, we listen to the baby's neck with our stethoscope to hear <laughs> if the baby swallows. I've never done that in my life. Uh, well, or no. there was this new fan dangled. I got um, asked to come to someone's house, and I think that I was emailing with you about a um, this sensor that then oh. you attached it to your phone, uh-huh. and then it would like tell you how much your baby had how much your baby had been drinking. I was like, well, maybe if the person's blind or dead for something this might be a useful app they cannot see the drink they cannot hear the drink this might be very useful to them if they're breastfeeding but when you teach a mom 
the difference, and this is the big difference I find between lactation consultants that train with Jack, mm-hmm. which is, it's a very, very vigorous program. The difference between seeing the drink versus, mm-hmm. oh, just listening for it and how to manage the feeds and things like that. It's completely different. I only generally refer to people that trained at the Newman mm-hmm. Clinic um, because if you can teach a mom to see the drink, sometimes drinks are silent. Sometimes they're loud. Sometimes they're subtle. Sometimes they're, you know, this baby is just like a chugger. Um, and so it, uh, it, it is the, one of the number one things that I teach beyond a really good latch mm-hmm. uh, is the difference between the suck and the drink so that you can actually tell that your baby's getting milk. And that empowers mom. They're like, oh, I, now I know. Oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. And it also tells them when they can take the baby off. When is the baby just hanging out on the chest, which is fine, but you don't want to be doing that all day every day because you need a break, you need to shower, you may need to take care of other kids, you don't want your nipples to be wet all the time. That's not great either. So it's useful to know when your baby's actually fitting versus just pacifying. In the emails that I get, I sometimes have the bizarre uh, email that says to me that where they filled in our form and it says... Do you offer both breasts at each feeding? And they say no. And then, uh, is the baby getting anything else? Yes, I supplemented. I supplement with formula. In other words, they're not feeding on both breasts and giving a baby a bottle of formula instead. How have we gone so far off the tracks that somebody would actually do that? I remember in my generation, not my generation, my, my children's generation, my baby's generation, that my wife would feed the baby on the first side, and as the baby started to fall asleep, she'd ease the baby off and automatically offer the other side. Magic. Mm-hmm. Pardon me? <laughs> magic. That's the magic. Yeah. I don't think I've ever fed any of my kids ever on one side only until actually, you were talking about like decreased milk supply over time, my older three, not my baby, my baby. The older three ones? My older three children. Uh-huh. They all breastfed past a year. Yeah. My little guy is 17 months still breastfeeding. He still takes both breasts. But my other three children, by somewhere between 9 and 12 months, all uniformly rejected 100% one of my breasts. I, I have a theory about that. one, like the right Just the breast? Right. My left breast yeah. has, oh. has historically <laughs> made less milk. And when, sure. when I pump, I... I don't pump anymore, but when I pumped for all of them, I would get five to one. Like I would get like five ounces, one ounce as an example. And my big three by some point around nine months would be like, eh, screw that. It's just not entertaining for me anymore. There's not enough for me. I'm not happy with it. The little guy seems to have no care mm-hmm. in the world at all about this left I want to like quiz you in like eight years because I'm convinced that it was the first sign that my Amelia was like spirited, sensitive and all of these things because she for one full month from three to four months would only breastfeed from my left if I was lying down like she was super flow sensitive and then at about 12 months she was like I'm over Mm. it not going to take your left never took my left again still she's crazy no my big three like they're also different I can't even and then my second went back and forth back and forth back and forth for years for me it's definitely not personality my second and third are super (laughs) chill and they also didn't like my left breast let's see when they're teenagers let's like discuss it maybe maybe when we get there because I have I have a like I could choke my kids like choke them every single feed so I have to lie down to feed basically or bring them bring them to the clinic and we'll do the tongue tie release baby should not choke at the breast I don't think she's tongue tied my baby is the, the one I have now. Is four That's what old. I hear all the time. So you think that like fast flow or you know I don't believe uh, big over, or whatever overactive letdown reflex. No, if the baby is 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 choking at the breast and coughing at the breast, yeah. then that's not a problem of oversupply. That's a problem of latch. 
Oh, interesting. Maybe I'll get my latch turned. There is some. There is something to, to be I think said. Your that latch bit, is like, fine. If you like lean back a little bit, sometimes babies will handle things a little. Yeah, bit I, better I suggest that. I, I suggest leaning back. Yeah. Okay. Yes, but lines. that's still a latch that's problem. But latch. on the other hand, yeah. you know, okay. like I'm not so, saying there's no such thing as oversupply. I mean, I once got. I don't know if this is true. I mean, people can write anything in an email, but I, I got an email mm-hmm. from a, uh, a woman, a, a lactation consultant in, uh, in Michigan, who said, well, you know, we have a premature baby. Uh, the mother is pumping a liter every four hours. That's fucking crazy. Holy. There okay. was a thing going on on Facebook a few months ago about this woman that was like pumping and pumping and pumping and donating. Oh, yeah, you told and me And it was that. all of her health. Like she, her, she had like five or six different freezers. She had milk everywhere. And she like was like, I just breastfed my baby. And this like huge, chunky little baby. Uh, not little, big, huge baby who she was breastfeeding exclusively. And she was like, and then I pump like all this. I mean, presumably she has like too much prolactin or something. Um, or she just started to pump too much and then her body. No, but like we're talking like she probably has like prolactinoma. Like she probably has like something not right with her with her with her I brain. I don't know about that. Huge uh, amount of milk, Jack. Like she pumps. I don't know what it was. It told me on Facebook like seven or eight liters a day extra on top of exclusively breastfeeding her baby. Right. That's not normal. But you know, a woman with a prolactinoma usually has been treated with uh, cabergoline. Uh, no, I don't think so it's undiagnosed. I mean, I don't. I'm not. I'm not this person's doctor. <laughs> I'm just commenting that if you that much milk, right? Like, but if she got pregnant, yes, right. Then maybe, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. probably fine. I hope you're fine. You're I fine. think her body just thinks she has like Wait, like cake like plus eight, 15 like children. Eight kids. Hold on, and hold on. Can we just go back to this whole thing for one second? Because I just need this to be my consult now. Um, so hold on. So if I'm choking my kid to the point where like they can't, where like I okay, my you're exaggerating. My Your baby breastfeeds get fine. A re- get a Refer, get a no, no, Jack, here. Okay, so this is the truth. I had a nipple piercing when I was a kid on one side. And that one, I could literally see three milk ducts. On my right side, I didn't have that. I have like 25 milk ducts. So if she's breastfeeding on my right side, she's like, there is a lot of flow. Mm-hmm. A tremendous amount of flow. I once put, I put out on Facebook a, yeah. a question, uh, uh, you know, did uh, nipple piercing uh, affect your breastfeeding? Yeah. And the vast majority said that babies did better. It's interesting. So my piercing on this side, milk comes through my, my, yeah, my star. Maybe yeah. the flow That's is faster. Yeah. It, it's interesting. So I actually think because I have the nipple piercing on this side, she eats better on the side because it's less of a flow to be honest because I don't more of a flow. That's, not what the, uh, that's not what my survey yeah. said but you know or maybe you okay. were always going to have less flow on that side but actually let's talk yeah, about the surgery exactly. stuff because I see this commonly and you guys probably do too women that have had breast reductions or implants so tell me about that well if they've had breast reduction there's no question that yeah. they produce less milk uniformly but, oh yes 100% uh, produce less milk we have because some of the ducts are cut is that why? who knows okay Nerves, nerves, because nerves play a role too. Yeah, I mean, our, I would guess, I mean, I've never done a survey, but I would guess that 90% of the mothers who have had breast reduction do not produce enough milk. Mm-hmm. Now, we've seen, you know, mothers who do produce enough milk even though they had breast reduction. When we had one mother, oh, it's now about eight or nine years ago, who breastfed twins exclusively after breast reduction. Wow. Well, she needs, we she we treat her with domperidone, yes. but that's yeah. that's about it. I would say that's standard for like I always if I get a prenatal um, consultation, I will say this is probably something that you would need to consider. Right. I've never seen someone in my experience have a completely. Yeah. I've also like started these women on dom as well. Um, mm-hmm. I actually have one who's a second time mom actually with her second kid. She just delivered like two weeks ago and she had a breast reduction and she actually is exclusively breastfeeding this one. She had difficulty with the first one and we were on Dom for that. And she's so far not on Dom. The kid's like a week or two old and so far. Okay. But you know, we're seeing a lot and we'll see. And maybe we have a low threshold for Dom again. Yeah. 
Um, so, breast yeah. implants is another Impl- one that I had this week that mom was engorged, decided she didn't want to feed. Uh, mm, that's a whole and thing. Her plastic surgeon, whole her different. plastic surgeon said she shouldn't because the increased risk of rupture and all these other bad things because of the implants, yeah. which I not experienced that's before. Not yeah, true. that's not true. But and most, you know, most uh, most surgeons will do a uh, an implant with an incision close to the chest. And if that's what it is, there shouldn't yeah. be any problem. Shouldn't with be. She's counseled against it by the plastic surgeon. I will always say, ask oh, them. plastic surgeon. <laughs> you know, dermatologists, ophthalmologists. <laughs> Are the worst out there for uh, telling mothers, oh no, you can't breastfeed. The mother's putting drops in her eyes. Oh, you can't breastfeed? The dr- baby mm. will get drugs. Oh, we should talk about that too. Women having surgery or general anesthetic or whatever and being told to pump and dump for like weeks on end. I have a woman today That's with stupid. a breast abscess and she was just on a basic um, uh, antibiotic. antibiotic. Do not breastfeed. Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I was told Why? today a woman also has an abscess, has a, has a line in uh, to drain this breast abscess, and she's on one antibiotic, which I know is safe. I know. Yeah. She called Mother Risk, which is, you know, a, a group it's in... supposed in, to be good. That, yeah. it, it's supposed to be good. That provides <laughs> advice, uh, evidence-based advice based on research about what is safe and what is not safe. They were told that 0% of this IV antibiotic goes through to breast milk, 0%. And still, she decided to pump and dump for three weeks, which is how long she's going to be oh getting antibiotics God. for. I was like, have you already dumped it? She's like, I already dumped it. I was like, please stop oh, dumping it. Like, even you don't that. give it, people put it in your freezer, give it a couple months later. Like, don't just toss it. She'd already tossed it for like four days. I was like, stop tossing it. And is also... dumping and dumping a, a, a myth? People yeah. shouldn't dump? Huge no, There's almost no indication that, not, to waste your milk. There's I almost no think, reason. You know, I can't think of, uh, you know, of an antibiotic that requires a mother to stop Yes, pressing. antibiotics are not a bad thing for babies. Is there anything that you should be pumping and dumping? Because far as I'm understanding, it's radioactive well, iodine. Key, yeah. Like truly, some it's very rare. Crack. Yeah, some chemo. Okay. Yeah, that you shouldn't be taking care of your baby. That's about it. That's no, really, it's it. very. The list is very, right. very small. I know women the women pump and dump after like a having lot. a glass of wine. Yes, is such a pity. that's ridiculous. It's or more coffee. Every holiday season, Jack puts out like a Facebook post about, about that. Exactly. Do not pump and dump, and all of us share it. Right. Yeah. It's don't crazy. waste your milk. Yeah. There's very, very, very few contraindications to breastfeeding. Yeah, it's like HIV. <laughs> Active tuberculosis. But no, no, no. Even if you're on meds, IV. if you're on meds, yeah, yeah. If you're untreated HIV, untreated tuberculosis, there's like very, very, very few things that mm-hmm. that show we you. We can talk act, about oh, uh, untreated tuberculosis. Some, some types of chemotherapy, <laughs> but really the list is very, very small. Yeah. And then, do you the, know what the TB was like in in in, in uh, Jack, talking to your microphone. Talking to your microphone. Because <laughs> I was born and brought up in South Africa when I wanted to volunteer when I went to Queens for like some like daycare. I was I ha, I I showed up positive for TB and they put me on medication for a year. I traveled through Southeast Asia without being able to actually drink at all because of this TB medication. <laughs> because that, I was yeah. born and brought you should up go in South again, Africa. By the way. Yes. <laughs> TB is you like my nemesis. Care. It's yeah. like a, it's like a bloody epidemic down there. It's not possible. And these mothers, we encourage them all to breastfeed. It's just you know, it's just. There are too many contraindications to breastfeeding. Look, let's use the example. But there's really very few is what I was getting at. Yeah. yeah. And let's use the example of, uh, of alcohol, if you want. I mean, the, uh, the legal limit in Ontario yeah. is 0.05% alcohol. Right. Then you're drinking, you know, then you're... Uh, For driving. You, then you shouldn't be driving. Right. But alcohol passes into the milk as if it were water. In fact, alcohol is very similar to water right. in many ways. So if you have 0.05% alcohol in your blood, you have 0.05% alcohol in your milk. Well, you can drink 0.05 alcohol for hours, for days, 
and you won't get any effect from it. I mean, it's absurd mm. to say that a mother shouldn't be breastfeeding because she had a glass or two of wine. I will say my babies did because it does show that it can inhibit the milk ejection reflex a little bit. And if I'd had a couple glasses, you know, with dinner and stuff, and then I went to breastfeed them to sleep, I, especially the very flow, fussy one, they would be like, and I'd be like, oh, that's that glass of wine making you a little fussy. I also hear sometimes that moms will say that their babies didn't, like there was something about the taste of it that they didn't like. Like they noticed the difference. Alcohol does not have mom? a taste. I, I hear frequently from moms that they think that the babies, they weren't fussy, but so they were pure. like, they, they, they didn't. <laughs> but Dina and I had this it. mom once at clinic. Remember her? She was on Dom Peridone and her baby yeah. was the loveliest mom ever. And she's like, the only time my baby is ever not fussy is when I've been at a cottage and I've had at least three drinks. I'm like, I've done a study. was more calm. <laughs> yeah. She's a and I told her that. But, okay. I was like, I think you're relaxed and maybe that's helping your breastfeeding relationship. Right. Maybe so. cottage maybe, all year round. Maybe. maybe so. We literally said that. We're like, go back to the cottage. But I think it's important to say that alcohol does not have a taste. If alcohol tastes something, if you, you know, like you drink a glass of wine, it's not the alcohol you're tasting, it's the congeners mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. See, South Africans know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do hear that. Yeah. Africa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. the, the one thing about alcohol, and, and Jack agrees with me on this too, when we talk about cannabis as well, I, babies are not, nothing bad is happening to babies when you have had a drink or a joint or whatever. But if you're stoned or drunk taking care of your baby, yeah. that is yeah. not safe. Right, so that I counsel against. But having a glass totally. of wine with dinner and then breastfeeding your baby, go for it. Yeah. You have our blessing. Yeah. I use and, my, the, I, I always will say when people ask me that, because 99% of people ask that in a prenatal breastfeeding class. And I'm like, I'm of the Dr. Jack Newman school of thought. <laughs> and this is what it is. You will go on to breastfeed your baby longer if you do the things that you enjoy doing. Right. Having a glass of wine with your meal, maybe even, I remember you saying this to me because I asked about my, my my husband's cousin was asking about like pot and you were like, is she going to keep breastfeeding until the baby's older if she gets, yep. And so the Dr. Jack Newman school of thought is enjoy your life and breastfeed. And enjoy your breastfeeding experience. And if what you're doing is not enjoyable, then make it better in a way that you enjoy it, whether that's less help. of it or yeah. getting more support, which yeah. I think everyone should get support. I think the ministry should pay for everyone to have a lactation consultant, a, a good, good lactation, lactation consultant. And a, consultant there are. After. And a bottle of wine every week. <laughs> and a bottle of wine, yes, that too. That and a child tax credit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like the, the, several women yeah. at that uh, <laughs> cannabis, po- event. cannabis event yeah. talked about getting paranoid on uh, par- on uh, mm. cannabis, mm. and I, you can just see a situation, you know, like you're smoking, you're, everything's happy, everything's good, and suddenly the baby's not acting the way he usually acts. You can just see this accumulation of, oh, I Paranoia. wonder if anything's wrong with yeah, him, yeah, yeah, and. Yeah, yeah. This is not a good. And then time what? To... You're not going to get in the car and drive your kid to the to the emergency room. That's dangerous. That's the thing we're talking about, you know. Yeah. And keeping alcohol and drugs away from your children who might be curious and interested and not knowing what this is that could be dangerous for them. I got the weirdest email. I thought it was the weirdest email today from a woman in France. Her friend, of course, it's always her friend. Well, she's not listening. But, <laughs> but, like you know her. Like it matters if she says it's she her said, or her friend. You don't woman, know her. <laughs> This woman smoked three joints a day while she was pregnant, but now she's not breastfeeding because she doesn't want to smoke while she's breastfeeding. <laughs> what? It's fascinating the way people position things. People make, people justify all sorts of weird things. <laughs> I, I, well, let's I, talk about but France. It's France, though. Wow. But France is, they are a big advocate, like the country itself, um, I believe, takes care of like perennial health. Like they, 
take care of. They have very good postpartum. Uh, right. Health. But when it comes to breastfeeding, breastfeeding they're breastfeeding. not necessarily yeah. no, no, about. No, no. France is zero. France is zero. Is it because they want, women want to get their bodies back and they want to work out That's right exactly away? it. The breasts are so important. Uh, for you know, uh, sexuality, yeah, sexy. right, yeah, yes. yeah, sexy so, time. Breasts are for right. their partners, right? Yeah, France has one of the lowest breastfeeding rates in the world, right? Probably only ahead of you know, Ireland. Mm. I think a lot of women go back earlier to work as well, right. and so that doesn't that that's juxtaposed. Even though right. lots of women like myself go back very early and still breastfeed exclusively. So we had a doctor on last week, Dr. Bev Young, and we had a conversation with her about just women's well-being. And she's a pretty well-respected psychiatrist from the Sinai, I guess, system of perinatal or postnatal care. And she she made a very interesting point saying, if a woman is at a point where her postpartum depression is so bad and that breastfeeding is so jarring for her, then maybe breastfeeding isn't an option for her if she's making herself so bananas and cuckoo over it. Comment. Why don't we treat the uh, postpartum depression? Right. We, the thing is that... I mean, there is inherent stress in breastfeeding, I can guarantee. Like, there it's a very shouldn't str- be. But, it, but, but, but there is. is. There right? is. There is because we make it stressful. And, and, and we talked a lot about this with her last week too, right. but the sleeplessness too, right? Like Sorry? the yeah. sleeplessness, you know, like you are inherently breastfeeding frequent right. and you're tired. Um, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And it does feel um, lonely at times. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I'm, you know, some women are like, well, when is if I pump and my husband gives the bottle, whatever. But even if you're doing that, you're still pumping at some point. But if you're mm-hmm. up every two to three hours pumping or breastfeeding for like half an hour, and then you're changing the bum and you're getting them dressed, all these things, it's, it's really exhausting. She's saying the, you- the compounding of the actual realities, right? The reality of life is somebody probably has a traumatic this. birth, right? They probably had some sort of cascade for intervention. Then they're told, okay, now you got to breastfeed. And they haven't actually thought about it at all. But they haven't actually I think thought that, about breastfeeding. I think breastfeeding, that's the key is that right? I haven't thought about it. They haven't it thought about it even for a minute, right? Normal newborn behavior. Or they thought about it a lot. Right. And are making themselves sick over that exclusivity right. mm-hmm. of it and everything. Yeah. So that's the question. It's like, it's tricky. I mean, I know that you're, you, you have a very particular style of what you think about when it comes to your dogma about breastfeeding. And I, Do- I no dogma here. Okay. But. Mm-mm. No, seriously. Uh, what, what, really? I mean, no, no you're quite passionate yeah. about exclusive breastfeeding, no bottles, correct? That's what I remember eight years ago. Yeah. Yes, ex- exactly. But, you know, like if we can make it that way, but I'm not, I, you know, I've never said never give the baby formula, yeah. never give. No, I agree. I think, though, that uh, the, it's very important to maintain the breastfeeding and make mm-hmm. the mothers and the f- partners mm-hmm. understand that there's a lot more to breastfeeding than uh, than uh, uh, the milk. Okay. And so, look, if you don't uh, produce a single drop of milk, you can still breastfeed. You can breastfeed because you can put the baby to the breast and you can supplement that baby at the breast. And I don't care if it's formula. Sure, you want to get uh, donated milk, fine, get the donated milk. Mm-hmm. But if you're using formula, that's okay with me because you are breastfeeding. And if you can understand that, mm-hmm. that's what we try to help the mothers understand, that this is an act, that this is a relationship. And so even if you don't produce a single drop of milk, here it is. We're not good. This still is still have the magic. Yeah. Yeah. It's all in your chest attitude. Feeding, chest feeding. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. We've had yeah. a few men that uh, came chest to our feeding. clinic. Yeah. Right. I've done that before. I mean, when I, I was very early days, I had like the lactation consultant 
strapping the taping the, the, tube, the, yeah. the tube on I lactation aid feeded for, fed for like two and a half months yeah. right yeah. and yeah. the problem is whether people don't a lot of mothers don't like the tube is because nobody actually shows them yeah. it's also a huge pain in the ass no it shouldn't be it really is Jack no, no. I did it for months it really sucks Dina, truly Dina it should not be a problem <laughs> so two in it's, the morning when you're by yourself and you have yeah, the milk sitting and you the baby's kicking and the whatever just the point oh I never taped it either yeah. I, I just stuck it in but yeah. it's, it's, a, it's just cumbersome right like you're a new well, mom you have this baby that's squirming and screaming I really want milk now and you're like okay go on the breast and they don't want to go on the breast because the breast doesn't have as much milk so you slip the thing in and then it's spilling and he comes off and the milk is everywhere truly you Jack it's a pain in the ass taught by us. I was taught by you you gave me the tube it was you it was you husband's shaking yeah. his head it was the other one anyway but I also went to Jack <laughs> the other okay, Jack really there's cool. another Jack no it was Jack it was anyway whatever it it's does it sucks <laughs> truly men know it, it really it wasn't it wasn't very fun and uh anyway especially when you're tired and, yeah. and you know exhausted and and you know yeah but that doesn't change if you're giving a bottle it, yeah there's still an element to yeah except that somebody else can give the bottle that's yeah. you guys, that's have you guys changes. heard of the haka Yet. Yeah, 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 big deal. Yeah, it is although a huge I just told, deal. I love it. I just I'm told with uh, Dina that I'm writing a, a blog post about it, though. So the haka can be great or bad. Yeah. But yeah. So what I'm seeing is women that are just doing one side yeah. feeding and then collecting the other side right. and then not giving their baby like not switching sides oh I just switch all day I mean I use it all day yeah. you, you need to come it. and see us I'm you're finding... switching all day your baby is choking at the breast make an appointment okay <laughs> fine okay. he's gonna <laughs> say she has a tongue tie she doesn't um, have a tongue tie. How do you maybe know? all the pumping Who is told you? Yeah, I like, can see she doesn't have a tongue tie. No, no, tie. you cannot look and know that there's a tub, tongue tie. Okay. This is the problem with most pediatricians. I'm glad I didn't bring they her here look. tonight. <laughs> they look. You I, can't tell. In all fairness, I think that the latch is very good. But um, no, so the, the Not if haka, the baby has a tongue tie. Uh, the deal with the haka is if people don't know what it is, it's like a pseudo pump. It's a piece of plastic that goes on the breast and provides a tiny bit of suction. So when moms are breastfeeding on one breast, the Collect other breast, it's draining, um, mm. it's at least collecting the letdown, but also draining a little bit more of that. Right. And people are like, great, I have all this extra milk, which is lovely. It's not going into my breast pad and being wasted, but it is taking a bit of milk out that otherwise wouldn't have come out. Mm. And then moms are happy feeding on just the one breast. They're not getting the other breast. They freeze that milk or donate that milk or whatever with that extra milk. But again, then the baby often is not getting that second breast. Oh, Mm-hmm. Which is a problem. So the oh, babies are getting a little bit less than they should be getting. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the feeding Again, the 80%. Pieces. I just used that as an example. Mm-hmm. And so you can run into problems because the baby only got 80% of what he needed at that particular feeding. It needs to keep waking up more frequently yeah. to get mm-hmm. that 20 and, and then another 80 and then another And 20. the haka is oh, not stimulating the breast Off. like a baby would. Yeah. So it may be taking out some of the milk, but it's not emptying the breast like the baby would. Right. So then the milk will over time slowly go down. Who emptied the breast again? Oh, stop with this. Okay. We're not going to fight with this. Also, I don't think green poo is typically a big problem. And I also <laughs> like when babies start sucking their thumbs at four months if they're gaining weight well because it's a good sign of self-soothing. These babies are not necessarily not gaining weight well, but their mm-hmm. behavior is different. And I would really worry about a baby spending a lot of time sucking mm. his What's fingers. a lot of time? How about someone who's just self-soothing? So you, why don't you look at your app? 
I don't have an app. I'm sitting there for the doctor with fucking Jack Newman. I'm going to ask you right now. Well, I'm going to look at a goddamn app. Well, uh, what's the question again? How much? Like my, my daughter soothes herself to sleep. Too she much takes too, when she's about I to fall asleep, she puts no, her finger in her mouth. I don't believe in self-soothing. I don't I like really that I really do. I love babies that suck their thumbs. She's my pediatrician. Don't whisper it. Dina, scream it. What are you saying? No, so, well, so when, my, when my kids found their thumbs at four months, my older three found their thumbs, me and Andrew were like, thank God. God. My, my, my husband's home now with an exclusively breastfed baby, and he's just like, she just found her thumb and went to sleep. So, Look, hallelujah. Chokes that's at good. the breast. <laughs> chokes, chokes at the breast. Yeah. Su- uh, you know, sucking like, all day. You just yeah. said it. The baby's on the breast all day. No, no, and so, no, no. She's Every really three hours. Yeah. I'm good. Oh, that's not what no. you said. No, before. but I mean, no, I'm saying she was back I and forth. changed. So, like, yeah. my baby will nurse on the right side. I'll put the haka on the left. And then when I feel like I'm, I just switch over, I take the haka off, and then she nurses on the left. That's what I do. So that's good. So empty the breast. That's I, I have to empty the breast because yes. otherwise I can't function. Right. Yeah, that's different than the mom right. that leaves the haka on and doesn't take the baby. Exactly. To the that's side. my yeah, concern yeah, yeah, with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah I think haka's yeah. great in lots of ways because yeah. otherwise, if the milk is just going to a, a breast pad, you're not or dripping you're, somewhere. You're, just going you're not nowhere. helping anybody. Yeah. Right. But but off for the breast after the haka. Okay, but Jack, hold on. Go back to one second. What were we just saying? So f- finger sucking or some thumb sucking. I, you don't like I, it. No, I don't think it's normal. I uh, think those babies are not getting the milk need. that they need. Not necessarily. Well, no, no. I, I, I take that back. Some of them are gaining weight just fine. Yeah. But a lot of these babies that are sucking their thumb, if you stop them from, or if their fingers, if they actually suck their fingers, not their thumb. Uh-huh. They, uh, if you take away that finger sucking, they are fussy babies. You don't let them, you know, like you, you, you let some mothers put gloves on the baby so they don't suck their fingers. Mm. Those babies are crying. Those babies are fussy. And they're fussy because they are not getting the flow of milk that they want. So do you believe there are some babies that suck their fingers or their thumbs and are getting enough milk? Or you believe that that is... Well, it depends how you decide the babies are getting enough milk. If you're looking just at the weight... Then they may be How getting about their demeanor, a very happy, sunny demeanor. All right. Well, let's. Uh, let's my, kid, like, my kid's oh, fine. Like, I'm not coming to see Yeah, but yeah. He, chucks at, he chokes at the breast. <laughs> I'm seeing it. I, I think. I think. Uh, I think a lot of babies learn to self-soothe with their thumbs. And I mean, my older three still suck their thumbs. We were devastated when when my our baby didn't suck his thumb. He still doesn't. Has no interest whatsoever. That's they're all he's growing. Whatever. Milk, yeah. They're all getting. He milk. goes to both sides. They're all going. They're all getting <laughs> milk. But um, I see what you're saying. Some kids seem to be desperately wanting to suck on things, and that's in very early sign you know like in newbornhood you're like how do you know if your baby's wanting to drink some babies are crying some babies are just sucking their hands or sucking their thumbs or rubbing themselves so on your why shoulder. is it different at four months because there's something with self-soothing that i think is a real thing don't believe in self-soothing hmm. that's a pediatric so, uh, so how do kids put their self to sleep then jack they fall asleep just no. like you and me i don't suck my thumb to fall asleep but okay so my kid is, has has i think eaten and drinking has drinking all day very well and when it's bedtime, instead of me having the baby fall asleep on my breast, which I do not do, I make Why sure not? Because I don't want her to get used to falling asleep as a sleep aid at falling asleep with my Aww. tit. Why? I don't agree. So with how, long do you, how long do you think babies should be falling asleep on the breast and sleeping with parents? Want to. Five? What do you mean? Five how long? Years when they're asleep, they're asleep. <laughs> okay, so what's your strategy for nighttime feeding? Feed the baby. And Breast feeding, right? Yeah. Breast, uh, what is... Uh, McKenna call it? Uh, uh, um, breast sleeping. Breast sleeping. It? Yeah, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James it's not going to last forever. No. Okay. And once they get older, uh, you can sleep with a baby. So at what point do you suggest that moms stay with baby in bed? 
I don't think there's any problem. I don't care what the American Academy says. Till till like years, like wh- I'm just wondering what your suggestion is. I think it's like what what you des- mutually desire too. Like I mean, yeah, I think that it's, it's, it's the same true. as weaning, right? Like some people are like, I can't. Like I had one mom who's like, I just I can't I cannot take my baby to the breast. Baby was was ten months old, and it just was like when I do it, I just feel like it, you know. And that was the right probably time for her to wean. And I think some people like I still love my babies in my bed, but I could see some people wanting mm-hmm. for whatever it is. Uh, that's, you know, that's yeah. the natural it's, thing that uh, that parents and babies did they slept together Mm -hmm. i mean if you look at most of the world it's still the thing you know when you live in one room (laughs) where are you gonna put the most of the world does co-sleep for sure but Mm -hmm. you're right the american academy pediatrics and the canadian pediatric society say firmly that mom should not sleep in beds with babies the risk of rolling over the risk of suffocation the the risk of the partner the risk of pillows Mm -hmm. all these things the reality is is most sleep yeah yeah, i mean on the back with no pillows blankets etc i mean the reality is most breastfeeding women i do find they co-sleep at least a bit mm-hmm. um i personally recommend that babies be on their back in a bassinet um next to parents in the same room as parents as often as they're able to offer that and this is someone personally who i'm still breastfeeding my son at 17 months but i haven't slept in the same bed as him since maybe three months or four months or something um for well, me why not i found it like it <laughs> for me personally, I find it very disruptive to my own sleep when baby is constantly feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding. And for me personally, it hasn't taken away from my breastfeeding experience. I would rather get good sleep, have him get good sleep and offer breast milk during the times that we're awake. Well, most mothers don't individual. even wake up. Um, I, I don't know that that's really true. I, I, I can't say like that I, I never woke up. I yeah. think every All time right. my baby suckled, I woke up. Yeah. Well... What can I say? I, I did mean, it for two and a half years, and then at two and a half years, I weaned like very gently. But it was like I would say that I was like I'm like I deserve a full night's sleep, and I was okay with doing it. Like she was in my bed; there was no other option. We lived in a one bedroom, but I would say that um, that it. I think it is an individual thing, and I think it's about mental health as well. You yeah. know, a little bit. Well, my, you know, I mean, uh, all these sleep things that they film mothers and all that sort of thing. Mm. They 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 showed. They, that the babies were were suckling much more frequently than the mothers knew. Oh, sure. Because they were asleep yeah. most yes. of the time, but, even but though the baby still, was suckling. It does for sure still fragment a mother's sleep, though. Mm-hmm. What? How do you know? Well, I, well, me personally, it fragmented my sleep. And maybe, maybe babies were but feeding what if more you're still often. Asleep? Even. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. what they were showing yeah, in these videos. Sometimes I probably didn't wake up, but sometimes I definitely did wake did, up. Yeah. Sure. And okay. I think it also Fair depends enough. on how well you sleep, because I think that if my husband had been breastfeeding, he can fall asleep in a hot minute. Whereas I'm like, now nah, I'm awake. Great. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking about this. Oh, what about that? And and I'm just, I'm not a good sleeper in general. Um, so in a perfect world, men could breastfeed. But Jack, when's that? Would you still 20, be breastfeeding? 2025? 20, 17 months, Andrew. <laughs> no, two weeks. Andrew would have stopped a year ago. <laughs> Guys, honestly, I think we could go on this conversation for okay. another hour and a half. <laughs> but... Um, well, it's, it's good that we have uh, different opinions. No, it's yes. very good. It is good. And it's yeah. interesting to hear your opinion because I think... The truth is the, the common narrative is this obsession with three things. First is getting the breastfeeding down, feeding your baby. The next is sleeping your baby. That's the next sort of thing that happens. Um, and then after that is sort of getting your kid on solids, right? And then, That's an obsession. Yeah, people become obsessed with, the, mm. with food and eating. Well, I, and, I, uh, we have an article on that too. And yeah. the idea is family food for crying out loud. Yes. Stop yeah. giving you stupid infant, for, infant oh. uh, cereals. yeah. yeah. I mean, what? and puffs that dissolve in the mouth that are not real <coughs> food. Oh, no, yeah. that's, that's that's baby should no, not be eating astronaut food. Upset. It drives you crazy. Space food. 
Well, you know, why, well, why is everybody uh, talking about cereals? You know, how come mm-hmm. every resident comes out of the hospital for six months and says, cereals first, cereal? to start with rice? Except for Dr. Dinukulak. Alan Brown. Every, every person who is somebody in Toronto had Alan Brown as their pediatrician in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. <laughs> and what... Did he do that? Everybody was wanted to be him. He invented pablum, and oh. pablum made the fortune of the hospital for sick children. Oh, so you were told, right? I think every I think every physician is told cereals first at somewhere right. between four and six months. I personally am not a fan of cereals. I've never given my kids baby cereals. They're terrible. I think Yucky. real food, real food, <laughs> yeah, iron right. containing Avocado. food, and family it doesn't mean meat no. per se. It no, can be no, lentils or beans food. or eggs or whatever. I don't even mush it. Some kind of real food. I'm going. Th- I'm just going through the paces of explaining when people feel. I think. Ages and stages in parenting, but then where we, they we've feel, done it to them. That's right. the thing. Yeah. It, it we is, can it blame is, the pediat- pediatricians it is, it is for the that. System, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the. Le- it's such an interesting time to be a parent too. It's 2019. We have so much information. You know, is the information age? And I wonder when I think about my mom, like you know, when she was parenting in the in the 70s, my older brother and sister, like they knew fucking nothing, and she was happy as a dot pig and shit, and she was thin, and she didn't work out, and they ate real food, and they didn't like they whatever. Didn't read it was, parenting right? like, books, but we were all like great. Yeah, no, they didn't read shit, and we all were no, but fine. there were we parenting books. Though. There was like Sears and Spock yeah. and Ferber. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, Dr. Newman, is there any like last t- any like last piece of goody you want our listeners to hear before they unplug for the night? I just right, want, I want to finish. Can I just because okay. no, I, no, I, I want you to have I want you to have the last word. <laughs> then I, I just go want it's also Tan's birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's my birthday. Oh, well, it's then. a wonderful <laughs> way to spend my birthday. Um, I want people to feel the magic. So if you feel like you're not feeling the magic, then you need it. to get good I help. I actually love that. Yeah. I think that's a great yes. piece. And I, I think getting help early. Yes. Yeah, yes. don't Sooner wait for months. Like so it just makes things harder. Yeah. Oh, that's what we deal with all the time. Sore mm-hmm. nipples for six weeks. You know who? Oh, I won't talk about that. All right. <laughs> we'll save that for next season. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> your, my last uh, bit what's here magic? is that people are so obsessed with, you know, exclusive breastfeeding until six months. You know, there's so many things that we, we drive them crazy. Okay, it's, it's a good idea. Exclusive breastfeeding until six months. But we tell some of our mothers that are supplementing, okay, well, your baby is four months. Instead of giving them formula, even with a lactation aid, uh, instead of giving them bottles of formula, why don't you start them on solids? Then you'll be breastfeeding and giving the baby solids. And oh, you should hear, they, they're shocked they recoil in horror. I can't do that. I'm supposed to be breastfeeding exclusively. You're formula feeding in addition to breastfeeding. Why don't you? What's the big deal here? And I put that on my Facebook page once. And I go, oh, choking hazard. Oh, no, we can't do that. Oh, the WHO. Jesus Christ. That's, I think uh, most babies are quite interested to have solids at four months. Uh, if, I, they're I also, hung- if they're hungry. It, yeah, if they're interested. Mm-hmm. If they're interested, I, I suggest it. If they're yeah. hungry. <laughs> if they're showing you the interest, then I'm all about it if kids seem to care. But still, mostly breastfeeding and mm-hmm. supplementary. Mm-hmm. I say it's like the meal is breast milk or formula or whatever, and dessert That's is the solids. That's what you said to me. The gravy. Yeah. The, the gravy. gravy. You know, and if they you, want dessert, they may not want dessert. What did you learn today, Dina Kulik? Actually, the whole jaundice thing. I never heard of Billy Rubin being an antioxidant. So that oh, actually was news to me. If mm-hmm. you go to our website, uh-huh. it's, uh, there are studies there that are discuss it. In fact, when you really look at the studies, this is not something from 2018. 
This, there are studies that go back to the 60s hmm. that talk about uh, breast, uh, bilirubin being good for you. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Post that to that, post mm-hmm. that baby. That yes. Jo- that jaundice baby. Very, very high jaundice, not good for you. Baby's lethargic, see your doctor. Be careful. Otherwise. If you post that, I posted a similar, uh, not a <laughs> video. Social media. Oh, no, it was a photo uh, that talked about that. Some public health nurse in Winnipeg complained to the, to the College of Physicians and Surgeons yeah. about my saying that uh, this baby is fine, this baby is gaining, this baby is beautiful, developing well, gaining well, but he's jaundiced. Mm-hmm. This is breast milk jaundice. Don't, and then I talked about all sorts of uh, things about the uh, b- baby being, uh, about the bilirubin being uh, an antioxidant, that uh, blah, blah, blah. That, uh, you know, I gave a case report where the mother uh, went to the family doctor, uh, just to the pediatrician. The baby had breast milk, jaundice, but the mother also had terribly sore nipples. And the doctor gave her, the pediatrician gave her three cans of formula and said uh, to take the baby off the breast. And that's broke her back as far as breastfeeding is concerned. She gave it up and she texted her husband saying, I'll never breastfeed again. Why? Because the the pediatrician, she struggled for three weeks, I think it was, to uh, with sore nipples and everything, and that broke the uh, whole breastfeeding. Before before we stop, actually, I just want to ask one quick thing. Hopefully, it'll be a very brief conversation, but I get asked a lot: nipple confusion. Do you believe in nipple confusion? Well, I think it's perfectly obvious that a baby is going to prefer a bottle if he gets more milk flow. from a because bottle because it's faster and easier. It's flow a flow yeah. question. Yes. That's yeah. when you think. Breastfeeding, think flow. They're and not confused. They're very clever. Yes. They're yeah. Like, I get that I agree. Fast, I don't think it's I confusion. It's this is easy and this is hard. Screw the hard. Yeah, they're so yeah. clever. So, you know, I have uh, an email from today. The baby was getting uh, uh, supplements. Uh, uh, I think it was once a day. The baby was getting supplements. The baby's now three months, refuses the bottle altogether. The bottle or the breast? The bottle. The bottle. That happened to Austin, actually. At four months, he, he like... Acted like it was right. toxic. So it's it's not the same. Oh, if right. it were yeah, the same, yeah. Yeah. then this sort of thing wouldn't happen. Yeah, Austin wanted me. It wasn't yeah. about the milk. And like you you said this a few times, which I think is really important to understand. It's not about the milk. I mean, the milk is important. It's nutrition. The baby the needs milk. Thing. But it's, it's the comfort. Yeah. It's the magic. It's <laughs> right. that coziness. It's it's really good for mom too. Like mm-hmm. talking about mental health stuff. We didn't discuss this last time, but moms and babies are getting oxytocin, this feel good hormone mm-hmm. hormone when you're not just necessarily just breastfeeding but cuddling with your baby and that is really valuable to both mom and to baby and that shouldn't be undervalued it's not just about the calories yeah. right and there um, are studies that show that uh, if a mother succeeds at breastfeeding she's much less likely to get postpartum depression and of course most, and when she gets support that is even more profound right. of a totally. yeah yes yeah. um soothers you're not a fan of soothers right nope do you, no. you think it takes away from breastfeeding yeah yeah because you think it distracts away from the issue, which Hunger. is the well, baby the needs more milk. Well, the question is, why yeah. does the baby need a soother? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the answer is, they want more milk. Right. Do you think, though, that if a baby had a soother, but wants milk, they would spit out the soother? No. No. You think it's it's soothing enough? Yeah, just like they They're suck their desperate. fingers. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you know they they it depends on the context too. Sure, if the mother's got a ton of milk and she wants to hold off the baby for a bit, then probably that wouldn't make such a big difference. But a lot of the time, mothers are using soothers because the baby's hungry. Yeah. And that's not a good way to maintain the breast milk. Yes. 
Yeah, because then the supply may go down. Yeah. Sure. Really what does. did you learn today, Lana? Oh my God, I don't know where fucking to start. <laughs> I'm like the, I'm like the. She's very stressed that her baby is a tongue tie now. <laughs> no, and I'm stressed that I have my letdowns all fucked up too. <laughs> Fuck, Jack, you just screwed me up. Oh, no, no, have a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee I will. Oh, no, thanks, guys. This is really informative. I think it's really interesting. I think we have a very interesting responsibility, Dina and I, with this podcast. That, that when our listeners chime in, that we are giving them the best information possible. So I'm very grateful that you're both here and sharing your just honest to God. And you're saying things that are not necessarily things that I've heard before, to be honest. So it was a big learning for I me. I think you should get my book. Hmm. Yeah, well, we can plug your like book. I has 18 different books. Oh, in fact, on February the 10th, aren't you offering a download free, free of free your download. breath? Yeah, okay. But yeah. only the ebook, not the... Uh, the ebook. Yeah. It surprised me that the... Uh, uh, that when I posted about the ebook, I, uh, that I, I said I was surprised that a lot of mothers are, or a lot of people on my Facebook page, anyway, prefer the uh, paperback. Yeah, and I, I like said that I makes like no sense pages. to me. No, I like books too, but this is not a book, you know, like a novel that like you read book. from page one to page uh, four hundred. Yeah, actually, four hundred. The idea is, first of all, you've got a table of contents. You click whatever you want. So it's not like you read from page one to page 400. Right. You're interested in jaundice, you click jaundice. And you goes right to jaundice. And I think that it's, you know, like it, show, it talks about a lot of uh, new ideas. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. who transfers the milk. And why it's important that it's the mother who transfers the milk and not the baby. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that if you've got the ebook, when we, you know, do updates... Oh, your ebook updates. changes too. Cool. Good lord. Yeah. yeah. February the tenth. Mm. Your, your gift to the breastfeeding world. Yep. Well, if we are this won't be published then, but maybe we'll share it somewhere else. Probably won't be published because this is deep into the episodes, but we can always throw it on we'll, our Instagram we'll, when yeah. we take a photo of maybe we'll do that. This little tete a tete. Well, thank you guys. Thank you thank for you, having Andrew. us. Thank you. Thank you for happy birthday to me. Happy birthday happy to birthday. you. <laughs> Dina, yeah. thanks. Yes. Thank right. you all. Newman, thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you really enjoy the content. We are eager to chat with the most interesting people about topics you care about. Please connect with us on social media at Moms That Say, at Moms TO, and at Dr. Dina Kulik, and share your comments, requests, and to continue the conversation. If you want to hear more, click subscribe and rate us too. We're all about the feedback because this podcast is for you. Have a great rest of week. Until next time.